Well, today is the second in this little two-part series I'm doing on the gift of prophecy. And last time we heard the Bible's encouragement that prophecy, that is God speaking to us, speaking through us for the strengthening encouragement and comfort of an individual or a group, is not only the privilege of a few prophetically gifted people, but is actually the privilege of all Christians, all followers of Jesus can hear from God and have prophetic uh, insights. And if you missed that first talk, you might like to access it on the website or podcast, because these two talks kind of hang together in explaining what this is all about. At the end of that talk, we had an opportunity for some of us on the stage here to give words, prophetic words, for individuals around the room in the congregation. And uh, evidently, some of those words were really quite extraordinary to the people who heard them. And, and we heard from uh, a number of them at the microphone at the back, who just came up and shared a little bit of feedback about what had happened. There were 22 words given uh, through the course of the day there, over the two services, and I understand that 16 people came and shared, either at the microphone or spoke to uh, Sam, who was there afterwards, uh, and just said how blessed they were receiving those words. Clearly, uh, many of them were quite, they were really were revelation. People couldn't have known those things, and uh, it really was very encouraging. So let me just highlight two of those little stories. Chris had a word for a woman sitting over this side and said, my sense is that the Lord is inviting you to get involved in healing on the streets. You're going to see some things happen through your hands. You may see some miracles, people getting healed. And uh, the Lord's encouraging you to spend your Saturday mornings doing that. Now, she was amazed. She fed back at the end of the service there through the microphone, quite overwhelmed emotionally about the way the Lord has spoken, because she, her son, Saturday mornings had just come free. And she was asking the Lord, what would you like me to do with my Saturday mornings? And so to have someone pick her out amongst hundreds and say, well, this is what I would like you to do next, really was quite profound. And then Ollie, who just did the announcements then, picked out, or rather the interview, the youth, uh, picked out a man he didn't know sitting over this side, and he gave him a word about a situation at work. And he also felt that God wanted to encourage him that he was speaking to him, even though that this guy wasn't really sure that he would do that. And this guy came and found Ollie at the end of the service, and he asked him if he genuinely didn't know anything about him and about his work situation, because it had been so accurate and so relevant. And he was amazed that God was speaking to him in such an unmistakable way. As it happens, this guy had been talking with another staff member, Ben, before the service, and Ben had encouraged him uh, about the evening that he really needed to hear from God himself and he felt like this Sunday evening service there was going to be really significant for him. So when Ollie began to speak to this guy, Ben was absolutely stunned uh, because he knew about the work situation that Ollie was speaking into. And this guy was so blown away by what Ollie had said that he's not only gone to check with Ollie, you don't know, do you, me and my work situation. He then called Ben the following night to check with him that he hadn't managed to talk to Ollie during worship before the talk uh, because it, he was so bold over by it. So just amazing. God was speaking. That's just a couple of a number of the stories that we heard from that Sunday. Really encouraging to hear those, encouraging for those who received a word, encouraging also to those who gave them. And I think encouraging to us as a body of people that, well, God does actually speak in our church. It's a wonderful thing. You know, when you step out and share a word and then you realize that God has invited you to be a part of him blessing someone. And as we heard last time in his letter to the Corinthian church, the apostle Paul urges 
us all to eagerly desire the gift of prophecy. And after seeing God touch so many through that gift, it's not surprising he encourages us to desire it. If you want to be used by God and see him working in your life and in the life of others, then the gift of prophecy is one way among many, but one way that is open to all of us if we're willing to listen and then to step out and take a risk. As we heard last time I spoke, listening to God is the key. And I believe that God is speaking to us often, but his communication with us is very often it's gentle, it's very subtle, and it's varied. And there are no methods to be applied, like do this and tick, tick, and this will happen. It's like, it's like the blowing of the wind, like the Holy Spirit moving now one way. And it says this in Job 33, 14, God does speak now one way, now another, though man may not perceive it. There are many ways that God speaks to people, sometimes through dreams, sometimes through an impression, or maybe a Bible verse that applies, or simply a thought that just springs to someone's mind. But we may not always realize it and realize, oh, that's God. I'm absolutely convinced that God is speaking far more often than we, than we are perceiving it. And this evening, I want to touch on how we can grow in this gift by thinking about how God speaks to us so that we can be attentive to him and learn to recognize when it is him speaking. And I just want to focus on two of the ways, you know, God does speak now one way, now another. I'm just going to give you two of the many ways that God might speak. And that is both to do with what we see. So first of all, in the natural world, what we actually see visibly, physically, with our physical eyes. And then secondly, what we see in pictures. At the end of worship, there were three prophetic words given to us as a gathered group here, and all of them, if I got it right, used pictures. They saw something in their mind's eye. So we'll come on to that in a bit. So pictures, whether in the natural or in the mind's eye, tends to be the predominant way that God speaks to me personally. Some of you may experience prophecy very differently, but uh, as I share some of my experiences, I hope that you're encouraged about, you know, perhaps God would speak to you this way. He may already be doing so. If you take a few minutes to skim through the accounts of Jesus' life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels, at the beginning of the New Testament part of the Bible, you see that uh, dozens of times Jesus uses physical things to communicate spiritual truths. For example, some of you will remember back in March, we did a little series on parables where Jesus creates pictures in our minds through telling a story of a lost coin or workers in a vineyard or just to explain what he's teaching his people. Or think, for example, when Jesus washed his disciples' feet. And once he does that, he instructs them, I've set you an example that you should do what I've done for you. Now, he didn't mean by that, every time you turn up at dinner, I want one of you to wash the other's feet. He wasn't talking literally. He was saying, rather, I want you to be servants to one another and to the world. A word picture tells a story. And so should we be at all, at all surprised if he uses the same means to speak to us today? So God speaks visually, and that may be, first of all, through something in the natural world. As we look in the scriptures, we see, for example, in Jeremiah 18, verse 1 to 6, that he senses a prompting to go down to the potter's house. And it says that the Lord 
he got this impression, go down to the potter's house and there I will give you my message. So he, he toddles off down the road. He goes to this house where this potter works at a wheel. And he goes with the expectation that God's going to speak through something he sees. And so he's attentive and watching and listening. And as he watches this guy, he makes this pot. And then it, something goes wrong with it and it's flawed. It's not good. And so he crushes it down and he makes a new pot out of it. And then the word of the Lord came to me, he says, verse 5. He said, can I not do with you, house of Israel, as this potter does, declares the Lord. Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, house of Israel. Jeremiah was a prophet to the nation, the whole of Israel. And God was saying, I can do with you what, you know, what I want. And just as a, a potter decides how to shape clay in his hands, so God can shape you, can shape us. And he can raise up and he can put down nations. So you see something, as Jeremiah did, which catches your attention. And that could be the Lord speaking to you. Now, sometimes catching uh, something catching our attention, it may just simply be coincidence. The Lord isn't speaking at all. We're just like, oh, what's that? It's interesting. Um, but uh, he, the Lord isn't speaking. But sometimes, if we are attentive, we might sense that this is something. You just take a double take. It's like, what is that? That's interesting. Lord, is that you? And sometimes it is, and sometimes it doesn't seem to be, but sometimes it is. And I've experienced this many times over the years. Let me just tell you about one which happened many years ago. I've got a photograph to go with it, so it's, it bears repeating. Um, it goes right back to 2004, and our pastoral staff were away for a few days together. And between sessions, we were playing volleyball, but we were playing in this incredible wind. It was just really difficult, very, very difficult to play. And the wind seemed to be completely, just bizarre. It seemed to be blowing in both directions, which sounds kind of impossible, doesn't it? But when you'd serve diagonally across the court with the wind behind you, as it crossed the net, it would drop as he, it hit the wind coming in the opposite direction. And we were really confused, really, all of us, like, frustrated and we looked down we noticed the grass was being blown in both directions opposite directions and we realized we were actually in the middle of a whirlwind that was actually settled on the court and I took a photograph of the net on my old camera there not the best photo in the world but I hope you can make out the yellow tape at the bottom of the net being an s shape here's a close-up which shows it clearer an s shape the wind is going one direction at one side and the other direction at the other side at the other end of the net. And it was really, really hard to play. A number of times we thought we should give up. And, but it, it caught my attention. And I thought, that is so unusual. I wonder whether the Lord might be speaking through it. And the next morning I shared with the team the impression that I had that God was warning us that there was a whirlwind about to hit us as a team. And I believe the Lord was saying, whatever the whirlwind is, whatever, however hard it gets to play, the team will play on will hang in there together, which is what we physically did that week. And in the weeks leading up to this retreat, there had been a great sense of unity culminating in this wonderful week together. But when we got back, within a couple of days, there were relational conflicts and misunderstandings and people getting upset and division that went on for a few weeks. But I and others took solace in the fact that the Lord had warned us in advance and that the outcome would be that however hard it got, the team would all play on, which we did. So sometimes the Lord may actually warn, and I've had this more than once in my life, through something that I see in the physical. Sometimes the Lord confirms things which 
we're already thinking or we feel prompted in another way and confirms it through something we see. So just before we started this church 22 years ago, we believed that God uh, invited us to make a pledge. And that was to set apart a portion of the income of the church, which we've done right through, and it's been amazing, to pledge to give away or spend 20% of all the money that came in on things that don't directly benefit us as a church, essentially the poor, other churches, and mission. And that, that 20% could never be reduced, but it, there, a day may come when it would actually be, the Lord would prompt us to actually increase it. Now, 10 years ago, if you think back, near the end of 2008, our nation was entering what was known as the financial crisis. And churches led by friends of ours, especially in America, who were you know, probably about nearly a year ahead of us in that financial crash, were having to lay significant numbers of staff off and make huge cutbacks in expenditure. So it was a really scary time financially. And I was uh, teaching a two-part series on giving. And on the, the morning I shared the second talk, Debbie had walked to church, and she had sensed that it might have been the Lord prompting, we should consider increasing the percentage, actually throwing ourselves in God's lap and trusting him with what was going to happen. And uh, during the talk, I actually referred to in our personal life, when we felt we, we couldn't make ends meet and we were just, you know, not enough money, we would often give away even more and the Lord would often bless us through it. So as we drove from church, she told me, I just had this impression on the way, and you just referred to it in our own life, I think maybe the Lord's prompting us to increase that 20%. And uh, immediately I resonated with it being the Lord. It's like, it's crazy, it's, it's crazy, but I think you're right. And so as we drove, we agreed that we would increase the percentage from 20 to 22%. doesn't sound much, does it? But it, that difference was £30,000 that year, uh, and uh, it would increase over the years. And as I mentioned, we were just heading it, hurtling into this recession. But I believe the Lord spoke right then, in an amazing way. So confirming this sense we were hearing other ways, I noticed the number plate of the car immediately in front of us. Now the letters, numbers on this car would mean nothing to anyone else, but I recognized them because I'd used them a number of times in my diary as the shortened version of the name of this two-part series as I planned in blocks of time to do talk preparation. And the pair of talks on giving from 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 were called the overflow of grace. The overflow of grace. They're probably on the website if you ever want to listen to them. T-O-O-G, the overflow of grace. And here's the car in front of us. This is the number plate. I've just blurred out the numbers. Right in front of us as we're talking. Coincidence, maybe? You're going to have more faith than I have if you think that's a coincidence. How many number plates have you seen in your life which spell the overflow of grace? And there it was, the car in front of us, as we were discussing whether the Lord was speaking to us and confirming the sense that we had that the Lord was indeed speaking. Last week, I received an email from a member of Trent who watched my previous talk online, uh, the one I did on Prophecy Part 1. Uh, she was on holiday, and she wrote this. It made me wonder if Jesus does love me and care about me. Recently, I've been feeling that God is distant, and I couldn't feel his love for me. And I prayed, God, please speak to me and let me know you love me. Later that day, that day, she went to the beach and a plane flew overhead. And here's a photograph of it. And here's a close-up of the banner it's dragging behind it. 
Jesus loves every one of you. I think God has a sense of humor and he orchestrates events just amazing. He loves to speak and he loves to speak when people will listen and actually respond. And that's one of the crucial things. It's not for our entertainment God speaks. It's like if he can find someone who's going to be obedient if he, lets, if he speaks, he very often will do so and organize all sorts of crazy things to uh, confirm that. And she went on to say, it means so much to me. It is the answer to my prayer. Sometimes the Lord will speak to you about an individual uh, through something that you notice about them. So something they happen to be wearing that day. Uh, or, or someone that they remind you of. All sorts of ways you think that they're wearing a particular brooch or a little beanie or something. And it's like, it, it speaks to you in some way. Uh, last month I gave a word on a Sunday to a guy sitting over there who uh, I felt the Lord wanted to encourage. And I sensed that the Lord wanted him to know that he had been marked as a son of his heavenly father. And that God wanted to impress upon him that especially in times of discouragement, he could hold on to the fact that God had chosen him. God had marked him as his son. And this guy, his name is James, he has some very impressive tattoos. And as I looked at him, I felt God prompting me that just as he'd been marked by the ink and the needle, he had been marked by God. And James spoke to me afterwards. I, I won't go into all the rest of the things I said in that prophetic word and what he responded. But it was really, really encouraging to him. Two days ago, my wife Debbie was speaking at a church event in London, and she picked out someone in the group that she felt that she had something for. And she was teaching, sort of, as she shared, and to say, this is how these prophetic words come. And she began with some impressions that she had about this guy's warmth and his relational skills. And, and then she asked him, are you into um, puzzles? Like so the Rubik's Cube, and he's like, not so much the Rubik's Cube. She said, well, maybe puzzle that one that does that, that with the thing with the numbers. Uh, Sudoku, yes. He said, yes, I am into Sudoku. And she went on to talk about his ability to solve puzzles and bring solutions to challenges at work. And he said, yes, that's me. And those around him who knew him were also nodding along in agreement. And then she went on to talk about what God might be saying in his work situation. Now, the way Debbie got that impression was that uh, while she was sharing the first things about this guy's warmth and his relational magnetism and so on, that it struck her she rem this guy reminded her of someone else. Perhaps some of the attributes of the person he reminded her of might be true of him. And it turned out that that was the case. So the Lord speaks through all sorts of things that may catch our eye. And as I say, it doesn't mean that when you notice something that catches your eye, it's definitely God speaking. Uh, it just means that sometimes God speaks in this way, and we need to be quite attentive to it. So sometimes God speaks through something we see physically, and secondly, sometimes God speaks through a picture dropped into our minds. When God spoke to some of the prophets in the Old Testament, he showed them things, not literally, but in, in visions or in uh, pictures in their mind's eye. And we have recorded in the Bible uh, seven times, I just happened to look up yesterday, of him showing three different prophets something and following it with the question, what do you see? So let's just look at one of them. This is Amos chapter 8, verses uh, 1 and 2. This is what the Sovereign Lord showed me, a basket of ripe fruit. What do you see, Amos, he asked. A basket of ripe fruit, I answered. That's, that's really good. Don't amplify it. Just, you see some things like, mm, that's what I see. I wonder what that means. Then the Lord said to me, the time is ripe for my people Israel. I will spare them no longer. 
So the picture that was dropped into Amos's mind meant something that the Lord wanted to communicate and for him to communicate again to the nation of Israel. What do you see in your mind's eye? It might just be your imagination, uh, or it could be God giving you a picture which means something, something that God wants to show you. And this is the way that the Lord speaks to many people. They see a picture in their mind's eye. And to demonstrate what I mean by your mind's eye, if I asked you to picture the clock at the top of big, you know, big Ben, Houses of Parliament, just picture in your mind that clock. Some of you will see it with greater clarity than others, but you'll know exactly what I mean. And you're probably seeing something a bit like this picture. Now that's what it's like, the screen of your mind on which you would see things, okay? The way you pictured Big Ben before you saw that picture. And we had an example of, of this the last time I spoke. Laura, who was one of those who was up on the uh, stage with me here sharing words, saw just a picture in her mind's eye of one lady having breakfast with Jesus and asking him about something specific, and there was an encouragement with that picture. Now, we heard later in the service at the microphones at the back there that this lady doesn't actually like breakfast, but had indeed been sitting eating breakfast that very morning and asking God about something specific and was really encouraged by that word. A month ago, I was in the U.S. I was at a training event, which included some prophetic training as it happened. And I was there with another pastor from the movement uh, from Birmingham Vineyard, Andrew McNeil, who helps us lead in the movement. And he was with a guy who he had never met, never spoken to. And uh, Andrew saw in his mind's eye this man standing in front of one of those fake photograph scenes where there's a library behind this guy, like a photographic wallpaper. And then he saw the kind of the picture in his mind's eye moved. He saw him in a real library and saw him going to the books and pulling off certain books from the shelf. And Andrew felt this impression that he had a passion for history, that he was like a chef in a kitchen creating a diet to teach people. And so he felt there was an anointing on this guy's teaching and a particular love for history. And these two scenes, this fake library and then this real library. He felt the Lord wanted to encourage him in all that. And this guy was amazed. He said, my goodness, that's really interesting. I have a photo of me at home with a fake library background. But actually, I have a real library at home, my favorite space in the house where I prepare my talks. I do have a love for history, and I'm te the teaching pastor at my church. So you can imagine that was pretty encouraging. It took about two minutes to have that exchange what an encouragement for that guy to go back. You know, sometimes preparing teaching, it takes a lot of work. But, you know, the Lord sees it. The Lord uh, is on it. And the Lord is encouraging you, this guy in it. So we want to eagerly desire the gift of prophecy. And I would encourage all of you to be expectant, if you're a follower of Jesus, that God will speak to you. And you may have heard him many times but not realized, not perceived it, that that was God speaking. And I'm not encouraging you to interpret every unusual weather event as God warning you about something. I'm not encouraging you that every car number plate contains a hidden message from God, okay? Or that he wants you to give a word to every person with tattoos. None of these things are methods. As soon as we make them into methods, we will lose the anointing. This is about a relationship with God and listening attentively to him. And so as you go through your daily life, you will see things for which you can come up with an interpretation. The thing that links the stories I've shared with you this evening is the prompting, the sense, is that's the Lord. Just an unction 
a sense that seems like the Lord speaking. It's still a risk. We don't know whether it is until we've spoken it out. The gift of prophecy isn't looking for him to speak in every circumstance. It's about learning to recognize his voice. What's the best way to do that? Well, first, spend time with God, talking with him, reading the words we already have revealed through the Bible, including time of being quiet and listening, like it's a, a two-way relationship, prayer. And as we heard last time I spoke, prophecy is the result of an intimate relationship with God. As it says in John 10, 27, my sheep know my voice, the shepherd of the flock of God of which we're a part. We know his voice. When we spend time with him, we learn more and more to recognize when it's him speaking. And secondly, you know, just hearing impressions and think, oh, it probably is the Lord, I'm not sure. If that's as far as it goes, it's worth almost nothing because all it's done is edify you a little bit. If it's a word for a group of people, your small group, uh, an individual, whoever, then it needs to be spoken. It needs the words that describing the picture you've seen or the words that God drops in your head need to actually be spoken. And uh, you need to be willing to step out. Best thing to do is safe environments, first of all, where it's okay to get it wrong as you begin to learn in this. And uh, small groups are a great place because people love you. They know you. They're not expecting you to be a fluent prophet. They're, you know, just like applauding you had a go, took a risk. Or here in the service, uh, just walking around, you might, over coffee, you might say, oh, I just got this impression about that person. I wonder whether I could. Yes, you can. Feel free to go up and say, look, I don't know whether this is my imagination or, or whether it's the Lord, but as I saw you, I just felt the Lord wanted to encourage you with this. Go for it. Let's have that happening all over the place. When we do ministry time at the end, just as you're praying for someone, risk it. If you just say, Lord, is there something you'd like me to say to this person? And as you sense something, take a risk and go for it. Now, we're going to have an opportunity in a moment to do that in a very scary environment, which has got hundreds of people in it, which is here tonight. Last time, we had a few people up here give prophetic words from the stage to people that they picked out in the uh, congregation. This time, we're going to do it the other way around. And so in a moment, a few church members are going to come up here and sit on chairs. And the rest of you have the opportunity to ask the Lord to give you prophetic words for them. So as you look at them as they come up, you may just have an impression, a thought that drops into your mind, uh, or you may see something in the way that I've talked about uh, which strikes you about their appearance. We may have a picture for them. And there'll be an opportunity then to share those words. Have a go. And uh, so if they would like to come up, the four people have been invited. Uh, just want to finish with some practical thoughts on giving prophetic words, which may be helpful as you're thinking about what you might say. And indeed, as in the future, we grow in this gift. So as I mentioned last time, 1 Corinthians 14 says, those who prophesy speak to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. These guys have been selected not because they're special. Do come up and take a seat. But because they're robust enough to be guinea pigs for us tonight. And, uh, but we do need to be, you know, as we offer the impressions, do it uh, in such a way that the hearer is not embarrassed in any way. And also, you don't necessarily need to say everything. So you may spot something about their appearance. Sometimes you'll share that and sometimes you might not. Because as Romans 12, 6 says, we prophesy according to our faith. And you may have faith to believe that something you've noticed is the Lord highlighting something through which he wants to speak. But the recipient may not have that faith. 
And giving all the information could actually undermine a genuine word for God. Like in the example I gave earlier of Debbie on Friday, she didn't say everything to this guy. She didn't say, well, actually, you remind me of someone else. And let me just tell you some things about that person. And maybe that's true of you. Because you know, she trusted that God was speaking through that. But had she shared it, it could have subtracted from the hearer's experience. Because they may have just thought, oh, well, it's just, I remind you of someone. You know, great. That's, that's too ordinary to be God. They don't have the faith for it, okay? The giver of the word might have. So you don't need to say everything. As different ones of us give these guys words, we need to remember that as we offer a word, we may be wrong. If we don't give it because we fear making a mistake, the person might miss out on a blessing that, you know, God does want to communicate something to them. And you've heard some stories tonight. It's like, why would you not step out and give that? So it's definitely worth taking the risk. And those up here, of course, need to feel completely free to receive what is helpful, and let the rest simply go.